Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to invest in yourself by tuning in today. We are business creators. We're entrepreneurs. We're small business owners. We're local business owners. We're the marketing and business coaches, consultants, and mentors. We are those who help others create and grow their businesses. And on the other side of the coin, we have the do-it-yourselfers who'd like to have your own hands on the levers as you market and grow. If you're one or more of the above, and many of our listeners are in fact are all four of the above, explore our episodes. Discover how we help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, check us out on iTunes. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us help others. Be sure to subscribe. Fresh content will be added weekly. And over 180 episodes spanning a broad variety of topics to help you reach the intersection of your brilliance and passion will be available for your immediate perusal. Now, today's topic is something that Long-time listeners of the Business Creators Radio Show are going to recognize as something that's very near and dear to me. And when this was presented to us a few weeks ago, and this person, who's somebody who's been a friend of mine for a long time, approached and requested the opportunity to share with our audience, uh, I jumped on this. See, here's the situation. Uh, whether or not you're extroverted or introverted like me, uh, or whether you consider yourself an outgoing person or an ingoing person, as the case may be, what a lot of folks deal with is you want to go out and network, and you want to go out and promote your business in person, and then you find yourself entering that big room where all the people are, and you freeze. What do you say? Who do you say it to? How do I get started? I myself have had scenarios where – I'll tell this to you. This happened to me about three months ago. I went to a networking reception where I didn't really know anybody. And I was supposed to meet somebody there, but that person uh, hadn't shown up. And uh, it was dark, and, it was, and the music was too loud. And I was having these conversations with everybody. You know what I'm talking about, where you hear – and you nod along, pretending like you understood a word they said, and you can keep going like that till you've had an entire non-conversation. And it grated on me so much that after the third person who walked up to me and without even introducing themselves said, hey, what do you do? I looked at him and said, does it really matter? And then I left. Now, you may be looking at me and saying, wow, Adam, you're kind of a mean guy. No, I don't think I'm a mean guy at all. But there were some situational factors there that were non-conducive to networking and growing your business. And because I had that experience, and I like to be candid about my experiences here because uh, in the Business Creators Radio Show, we like to look at what's on the cutting room floor. We decided to accept the opportunity to bring on Lori Seitz of The Quiet Girls, who's going to share with us on this today. Lori, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me on today. Well, thank you. Thank you for showing up. This is going to be great. So let me just, uh, first of all, I'm going to tell the audience a, a little bit about you, and then uh, what we're going to do is we're going to dive in uh, to our topic for today, and I'm going to have you share some things 
for our audience. Uh, but just for those of you who are getting a chance to know Lori, Lori is a serial entrepreneur. In 2003, she launched the Zen Rabbit Baking Company and introduced the world to the Gratitude Cookie, of which I received many in the mail. Through Zen Rabbit, she helped busy professionals say thank you to their clients, strengthen relationships, and increase their lifetime value. Today, she's known as the Quiet Girls Guide. As a speaker and networking strategy coach, she helps women and some men who are terrified to walk into a room full of people they don't know feel more comfortable starting conversations, networking and building relationships with clients and referral sources. Her services are in demand by entrepreneurs and business owners coming out of perhaps the corporate or healthcare world who now need to learn how to easily build relationships to serve their own businesses so they can serve the world. Lori's reputation for going above and beyond of her clients is well known and I can attest to this personally firsthand. She has more than 25 years' experience in marketing and communications. Before Zen Rabbit, she worked as an on-air radio personality in South Florida, and she has served as a pre-GED teacher and an adult literacy tutor and is a strong proponent of increasing literacy worldwide. And she's an advocate for partridges and pear trees. So uh, that's the official version. I think it's pretty fantastic. But, Lori, what we like to do here at the Business Creators Radio Show is Go beyond that. As I said, we look at the cutting room floor. And tell us in your own words a little bit more about your journey that brought you to this particular intersection of your brilliance and passion serving business creators uh, who need to ignore mom's advice and do talk to strangers and embrace these networking strategies for quiet people. Yeah. I. So as you mentioned, I had a company called Zen Rabbit Baking Company. And after I closed that company in 2014, I was looking for a way to be of greater service. And I could have kept my focus on client appreciation and helping businesses show their thanks for their clients, but it, it wasn't exciting me. It wasn't making me jump out of bed every morning going, I can't wait to get started. Right. And I really wanted to find that thing. Because if you're going to do anything, you might as well want it to be, enjoy it. That's really my philosophy and, and these days. Like, if I'm not enjoying something, then I don't want to spend my valuable time doing it. Understood. Yeah. And so I started thinking about what is, do you remember the movie City Slickers? Of course. Okay, so the guys go and they find the old cowboy Curly and they ask Curly what is the the key to life or what's the what's the meaning of life and he says, Oh, I, I know what it is. It's and they're like, What is it? What is it? And he says, Well, it's different for everyone. So it's up to you to figure out what your curly's one thing is. And what I figured out was my curly's one thing is building strong relationships. It's what I was doing with Zen Rabbit, and now it's what I'm doing with the Quiet Girls. And so the reason I came to this specific idea was that I started out life as a really shy child. So it was uh -huh. always a challenge for me to talk to people I didn't know. Right. Once I made a friend, I was really good at maintaining that relationship. And around people that I knew, 
and they couldn't shut me up. But but people I didn't know, new people, I was very intimidated. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and and I and I think that I think that's a lot of folks. And uh, what I've been so happy about over the past five years is the, the spotlight that's been shown on the issue of introversion and extroversion and what being introverted really means. It really has nothing to do with being shy or antisocial or standoffish. What it boils down to, to put it in one sentence, is the way in which human beings expend and consume energy from social interactions. With the extrovert, they get the charge from it. With the introvert, they get drained down by it. It's, uh, I mean, it's a little more complicated than that, but when somebody asks me what's the difference between an introvert and an extrovert, I explain that in one sentence. Me, naturally, I'm so introverted I could be the poster child for introversion. And I, I mean, I even have the two cats who own me to, uh, to uh, put the uh, cherry on the, uh, on the ice cream cone, if you know what I'm saying. So uh, yeah. you, heard, yeah, you heard me say a few moments ago, that, you know, I was in that one situation, and uh, it wasn't working for me. But on the other hand, I had a situation once where uh, this was at one of Armin Morin's big seminars. Armin Morin, a, a great guy. Uh, and I was called on stage. He had Marshall Silver. For those of you who know who Marshall Silver is, uh, uh, the hypnotist, as a guest speaker. So I volunteered to go up on stage with a bunch of people, and, and what Marshall Silver would, would do is interact with the folks on the stage and decide which ones were suggestible so that he could do his hypnotic uh, exercise scenario. He selected me as being suggestible, and uh, for those of you who are familiar with the standard skit that he does, I was selected as the Queeblian translator, which means I'm the only person on stage who understands the language spoken by the Queeblian alien whose spaceship just crashed and the human beings who are on the ground. So um, at, the end of the, at the end of his presentation, it was time for dinner, and I, myself and the Queeblian alien were giving the, given the assignment of going to the back of the room, standing by the exit doors, and greeting every single person as they walked out. Now, the Queeblian, for better or worse, uh, ditched the whole thing and thought it was stupid. I'm not going to stand there and greet people. But for me, and I'm bringing this up, Lori, because this leads to my question. Uh, for me, mm -hmm. it was a natural thing to do. It's like, hey, said to go back and greet everybody, so I'll do it. And uh, I made so many connections just by being the Queeblian greeter that have held up to this day seven years later. In fact, I had business deals emerge from me being the Queeblian greeter. So the difference that I'm, I'm seeing is I walk into this loud, noisy, dark room, uh, and, it, and it fries me so bad I walk out. Versus I get up on stage in front of hundreds of people, um, a lot, uh, submit, to submit to hypnosis uh, to become the Queeblian translator, and then willingly go to the back of the room and shake hands with 400 strangers. What's the difference? Yeah, well, you're, first of all, your explanation of introvert and extrovert is – is really a good one. And I tend to shy away from using those terms because exactly of what you said about how much confusion there is around what does it really mean. Right. So, but yeah. And to get back to your, your question of the difference is you, it sounds like when you had the, the job of the greeter, you had a purpose. You 
weren't going in there with uh, like a wide open blank canvas. Somebody said, do this one specific thing, and you said, okay, I can do that. I'm not, I don't have to make up something to say to them because it's natural that they're coming, first of all, they're coming to me or through you, through the door past you, and right. you're just greeting them. There's, you're, there's no pressure to come up with interesting conversation. Right. Yeah. So I can see right. how, how you would feel much more comfortable in that situation versus walking into a loud, noisy, dark room, which I don't know anybody who would enjoy that experience, intro <laughs> or extrovert, but... <laughs> right. Yeah, it's it's like whenever I find myself in those big, crowded room scenarios, uh, when I go to large arena-type conferences where there are 700 or 800 people there, uh, I just know, or even rather if it's a smaller room, like even if there's only 50 people or 100 people, I'm, if I'm going to be at a three-day seminar. See, here's how it has to work for me. On day one, I really just need to take in my surroundings, get a feel for what the energy is, who the people are, what's moving and what's shaking, so to speak. And if there's mm -hmm. anybody there who I already know uh, from either the online world or the real world, I'm going to gravitate towards them for the first day just because it's familiar territory for me. Now, by day three, and it's always day three for some reason, this other thing kicks in, and I end up usually doubling the size of my social network just off day three. Now, a couple of years ago, I was at the Traffic and Conversion Summit in San Diego, and uh, that is a huge event. I mean, you have, I think, two or 3,000 people, if I understand the counts correctly. And, yeah, that's uh, what I've I remember, heard. Yeah, I remember walking around that thing for three days being absolutely bewildered because uh, it's like this is all moving so fast. There's so many people around. How do you even make a connection? Uh, but then uh, at the end of the third day, a friend of mine who was there hosted a party at the condo he was renting where he had about 75 select entrepreneurs in the room. Uh, that let me put it that way. I could have just come to San Diego and attended his party, and that would have gotten me all the results I needed. And I asked him about that later, and he said, yeah, the reason I host these parties is because I know how hard it is to connect in giant rooms, so I want to create a space where people can do it for real. That makes a lot of sense and is very insightful on his part. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because, and that's really the thing, I mean, that's what I tell clients, too, is you, first of all, don't have to feel like you have to meet everyone, and when you're at a big conference like that, it's it's impossible to meet everyone, but somehow right. in your head, you're feeling overwhelmed because you feel like, oh my gosh, I, I, I don't know how to manage this, because there are 800, 10,000, however many people are there. Right. And so, you're, yeah, your your natural tendency of, okay, well, I'll just go to the smaller things is right on. And even if he hadn't had that party, for example, again, it comes back to, okay, well, you don't have to meet everybody. Maybe you could just make friends with a couple of people who are sitting in on a breakout session with you or it's somebody right. that you meet at the intro or whatever it is. It's like going to a big university 
my brother went to the University of Florida. I couldn't imagine going to a school that big. But but what happened is you end up in your own groups. Like you you get you meet the you know you hang out with the people who are in your dorm or you in his case worked on the newspaper so he was friends with all the people who worked on the newspaper but you know he wasn't trying to meet every student at the school. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. So uh, so uh, you know you call your organization the Quiet Girls dot com, uh, but aren't there guys who feel intimidated by networking too? I mean. Uh, I think I just gave you a big case in point. You did. You did. And and I am happy to work with guys. The reason I called it the quiet girls is because I've met a lot of smart women who are intimidated to walk into that room that we're talking about, and they have a business or they're starting a new thing, and that fear is hurting their success. And they're on a mission and they want to be of service and create a legacy uh, and and with all of this incentive and the big why, they still have trouble pushing themselves to go out there and do it. In my experience, men are more likely to push themselves to do it anyway. Like they're listening to that voice in their head that's saying, come on, buddy, strap on a pair and step out there. Uh, women, yeah. <laughs> women will maybe get themselves to the door, the entrance to the event, and they'll look around and they'll see all those people and maybe they'll step in and stand at the back corner and look around or grab a couple of pieces of cheese from the hors d'oeuvre table and then they'll leave after 10 minutes. And then they berate themselves for being such losers. Okay, that's that's a very that's very interesting, and yeah, it, and I can I see what you mean. There is a I'm, I'm gonna say it for what it is. Uh, sometimes there is a pressure being placed on the male of the species to, as you say, you know, you know, come on, grow a set and you know, you know, pop your hundred milligrams or grow a set and get out there and do it. Uh, <laughs> right, uh, which right. Is, which is the message that uh, you know I received so many times growing up, and in some cases even. As an adult, uh, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a slight tangent here. For instance, uh, I very, very, very rarely consume any alcohol. I mean, I think my alcohol consumption is limited to the occasional uh, finger of Glenlivet with my cigar once in a while. That's about it. Uh, but I find myself in social situations where um, you know everybody's you know got beer and you know booze and everything, and they're saying, "Come on, man, have a drink." Now I'm holding my iced tea. And I'll take a sip off it, and I said, "There, I had a drink. You satisfied? This is a drink. I yeah. drank it. No, man, come on, have a drink. Be a man. Like I am a man. Uh, in fact, I would argue that I'm more manly by the definition you're attempting to impose on me, because I don't feel the need to engage in an activity just because other people are doing it. That yeah. message tends to not go over." very well with folks. So that is a you know, pressure point that I think we see from the male perspective. So I have a little bit of the male perspective here, and you did such a great job with the female perspective, you know, peeking around the corner, you know, looking in there, making our way to the hors d'oeuvres table, just trying to, you know, lay low here. And I've seen that played out 100,000 times at networking events myself. So I know exactly what we're talking about. Um, yeah, and you just brought up something that brought a thought to my mind, and this wasn't 
I know this wasn't where you were going with your comment, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. Right. It's never a good idea to have a couple of drinks to relax yourself at a networking event, okay? Just don't okay. do it. <laughs> what, is it like a little little personal experience here? <laughs> no, 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 actually not. But you were saying how you very rarely drink, and it brought to the, my mind that some people may think, well, let me have a couple of drinks because it will loosen me up and I won't feel as intimidated. And I'm just saying that's probably not a good idea. Okay. I, I mean, I, because, I, I mean, a drink, fine. I'm not against, I'm, you know, I'm not like somebody who's pushing abstinence for everybody. I'm just saying. You want to have a glass of wine, but if you're going to have five glasses of wine because you're so uptight about the whole thing, that's probably not going to end well. Right, right. Just throwing it out there as an idea. Absolutely. (laughs) Now, now we're a third of the way through here, and uh, there's still so much we need to cover. But what I'd like to do is I'd like to take a pause, and I'd like to just check in on something here. You know, with so much marketing done online these days, does it really matter if you do in-person networking or go to in-person networking events? Yes, yes, it matters because even though a lot of marketing and relationship building is done online now, humans are still wired to connect interpersonally. We have not evolved to the point yet where we don't need face-to-face connection and 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 relationships. So there's a different level of trust and intimacy that's created when you meet someone in person. You can get so much more out of a face-to-face conversation. And, you know, you can't get the important nonverbal cues and information in online conversations. This is not to say that you can't continue to build a relationship through online communication or you can't start a, a relationship in an online communication. And then, like you, you even mentioned, you meet that person at a conference or an event outside of the initial online, and it just takes a relationship to a whole different level. Right. I think, that, I think that's very true. And, you know, I'm even starting to see over the past couple years, we're starting to shift back towards more of the in-person. We went so far in the direction of let's do everything online that now it's like meeting people in person has become the new trendy cutting-edge thing. It's, it's funny how that works. Uh, and I've been in business long enough. I've seen the pendulum swing back and forth a few times on a number of different issues. So this thing that everybody says, oh, this is a hot, new, exciting thing, and if you're not doing this, you're not really in business, thinking, okay, rerun. <laughs> Been here before. Yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. Just, like, just, like, just like I've lived through so many deaths of email marketing that my cats are envious of how many lives email marketing has. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, there's a place for both sides of the coin there. Right. Yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to ask this question because I want to make sure that uh, we, uh, you know, were, it was worth it to continue this interview uh, because of this whole thing of do we even need to do in person because we're so online. And the fact is, is one of the joys of my life is when I meet people online or, excuse me, I meet people at events and networking functions that I've only known online up until now or when people yeah. walk up to me and recognize me because they know me from online. That in itself is hilarious. So 
diving into networking events, <laughs> diving into networking events, what is a common mistake people make when choosing which networking events to go to? It's really important to be strategic when you're choosing what events to go to. A lot of people start a business and they're telling their friends and their other their other entrepreneurial friends or their pe friends who work in corporations, who whatever, and people say, oh, you know what, you should go to the chamber because they're having an after hours or they're having a breakfast or this women's networking group is having a lunch. You should go to that. Right. Well, sure. But if that's not where your perfect people are, you're going to waste a lot of time and money and I think most importantly for – the quiet people, the energy of going to those events. You have to do some research and figure out which events are your perfect people attending and, and go to those. And sure, sometimes you're going to go to events. The only way to know if it's a good event for you or not is to go and find out if they're there or not. Sure. Once you find out, you don't have to go back if they're not there. I, you know, I have a, a friend who is a high-end interior designer, and she told me that she spent $30,000 the first year she was in business on marketing and networking events. And she also spent a lot of time, yeah, she spent a lot of time to follow up with bank officers and leadership coaches and financial advisors, none of whom were her ideal clients or referral sources, because those were the people she was meeting at those events. It was the wrong people, wrong events, wrong people, and it was a steep learning curve for her before she figured out this is not working. This is These are not the events I should be going to. And it's too bad I didn't have the quiet girls then because I could have helped her. But. <laughs> right. Well, you know, uh, and I think we've all been there. We found ourselves in the room and wondering, why the hell are we here? So what do you do, Lori? Do you just walk out? Do you just leave? Um, is there something you do to try and make the most of all the situation turn into a win? I mean, let's say that I walked into a networking room, and despite my best efforts, despite my best efforts, I discovered that this was just not the crowd I need to network with. What do I do? Two things. You, depending on – you could leave, or you could – Start, so still start some conversations with people because you never know where they're going to lead. You could end up talking to somebody, and it doesn't necessarily have to be about business, about you could just show, okay, I'm just going to have some fun here. Maybe I'll make a new friend. Okay. And, and start talking to people about what do you love doing in your free time? What kind of volunteer work do you do? Are you on the board of any nonprofit organizations? Because this conversation could lead to a couple of things. One, it could lead to them saying something about, yeah, well, we're really looking for this kind of person for this board that I'm on, and you know someone. Right. So maybe there's still an opportunity that you could, you could be of service to someone else. Or they could say, oh, you know what, my cousin or this guy that I work with needs, has been talking about finding somebody who does what you do. Like, you just never know where it could lead. So even if you don't think the people in the room are necessarily good clients for you, 
they could turn out to be referral sources. They could, like I said, you could end up helping them with a need they have. And it's just, I mean, if you just want to have fun with it, which is really what you should be doing regardless, is, is having fun with this whole process. But if you're already there and you're already dressed, and why not, you know, have some fun with it and see see who you can meet and just say, hey, let's see what happens here. Right. It's like, so, a, it's like a science project. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. So we're looking at like an experiment, like an adventure. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And the other cool thing about, you know, if you decide this is not the place for me to be, maybe you could be even a little more experiential, like ex- experimental. And because, again, then there's no pressure. Like, I don't care if I look foolish. I don't, these, I'm not trying to impress these people. Right. I see. So now what I want to ask is, let's go back to what I shared when I was going through and sifting some of my cutting room floor footage that I, in all vulnerability, shared with the audience. I walk into this networking event. There's only one person I know there, and I can't find them. And it's Mm -hmm. loud, it's noisy, it's dark, it's crowded, and I keep bumping into these people. And uh, and we keep having these conversations, or people trying to have these conversations with me that sound like, and I'm nodding, saying, oh, yeah, yeah, because you can't hear a damn word anybody's saying. But what does come uh-huh. to the static is, oh, so what do you do? And after, like, the third time, some random stranger starts asking me for my biography on the spot, I look him in the eye and say, what does it matter, and leave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what did I miss? Well, that whole part about it being super loud and dark, that to me is not a networking situation. That's just, right. I mean, were you in a club? What, what was going on there? Because that sounds like a nightclub to me. Not yeah. really a networking situation. Right. I think, I, I, I thank you for saying that. But I think, I think if you ask me, it was a very, very poorly conceived networking event. Um, It should not have been dark like that. It should not have been noisy like that. I mean, ambient music in the background is actually proven to be effective for greasing the wheels for social interaction. But when it's louder than the people's voices or it competes with the people's voices, then you have a problem. And I think that's definitely a problem. In that case, I would have left. Or, but you said you had been hypnotized and so you could understand the aliens. Yeah, okay, okay, so you're deliberately confusing him. I was about to say we're talking about two different things, because you pointed out yeah. to me the difference between me being in that noisy room and being the Queeblian translator is I had a purpose. Right. Yeah. Right, so, exactly. Uh, yeah, which which to me, uh, let's explore that a little bit. Uh, I was perfectly fine doing the Queeblian translator thing, because the famous hypnotist dude assigned me to do it. And it was a uh-huh. scenario where if I hadn't done it, I actually would have looked a lot worse than any embarrassment I could have conceived for myself for doing it. So when presented with the opportunity, I saw it as just that, an opportunity. It's like, dude, I'm about to meet every single person in the room. Nice. So because yeah. I have a purpose, I get all the way to that side of the pendulum away from I don't know anybody here, and it's noisy, and they're annoying me, so I'm done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's that's exactly it. The only other thing you could have possibly done to save that noisy, loud networking situation was stand outside the room and perhaps try to have conversations with people who were on their way in or out. Right. If they, too, also felt this room is impossible to work in, and so I'm just going to hang out outside the room, then you could have possibly networked with some of them if there were other people feeling that way. Well, see, I, I see, I knew that, but I, but you're the guest expert, so I wanted to set up the pins and let you roll the strike and score the touchdown, which you've certainly done here. That's exactly right. The challenge with this one networking function I'm referring to is there was no quiet lounge outside where you had a few people milling about. Uh, when I go yeah. to the large oh. event, when I go to the large events, and we can cite the Traffic and Conversion Summit in San Diego as another example of that. Uh, that hotel that they hold it at uh, down there by the by the by the shore, whatever it is, I can't remember the name of the hotel they always hold it at, but uh, they have this really big area, one escalator ride down from where the events and the exhibitions are being held, and a lot of folks just mill around down there. In fact, aside mm-hmm. from that condo party I attended, the rest of the connections I've ever made at TNC were down in that area, like when the you know the the crowding of the hallways and the giant breakout sessions was, you know, caused me to need to peace out. I'd just go downstairs and I'd meet someone. In fact, little known secret, and this doesn't just happen at TNC. It happens at a lot of your arena type events. I saw this at the product launch formula events as well. And a couple of the others is you have folks who know these events are happening and have no intention whatsoever of attending them. So, but they will go to that city and plan on just camping out in the lounge and meeting people. Yeah, yeah. Well, fact, I remember. In fact, I did a business deal that way. I did a business deal because in one of these types of events, I ran into someone who was there. They weren't even attending the event. They just decided to be there while the event was happening and see who they'd meet. And they met me. <laughs> yeah, good strategy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So looking, so looking at those types of things, and if you're you know, if, you, if it's a scenario where you need something that's a little more quiet and you do better with one-on-one or small group interactions, look for the quiet lounge outside. Yes, the quiet lounge outside. And what I was going to say, too, is I, I know that when I went to the National Speechless Association annual convention, I don't remember what they call it, but a, a couple years ago, there was a lot of conversation happening in the hallways. Yes. I've been to NSA events, too. That's very true. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like the only conversation happens in the formal networking places. Yeah, that's another thing we want to bear in mind. Um, So aside from everything we've covered so far, what are some more tips you can give us for feeling more comfortable at networking events? The first one we kind of already covered, we were talking about making a friend and just looking at it as, all right, I'm going to go and see if I can make some new friends. Like it's not, there's no pressure there. It's just about starting a conversation. Yes. And you, you know, you talked about meeting this guy who was hanging out there who wasn't at the event. Uh, it's pretty rare that somebody will walk away from an event with a signed deal, like a new client in their pocket as they walk away. It's, right. 
it's more about starting the conversation, starting the relationship, and then you'll build on that afterwards in your follow-up. To be clear, so, to be clear, the business deal I ended up closing was actually inked subsequent to the event itself. So I want to make sure that uh, right. I wasn't conveying the impression that I was actually signing paperwork down in the lobby. The point being is I made the connection with the dude who was just camping out there because he knew that was a big event that, uh, that his people were at, and he didn't want to be sitting in breakout rooms all day. So he bought a plane ticket, got, got a room in a hotel, and camped for three days. Yeah, so you're reinforcing my point is right. that it's it's about starting the relationship, not signing the deal. Yeah, and I just we to be didn't clear talk about that. this in the beginning. Yeah, we didn't talk about this in the beginning, but the the definition of networking is really more it's about starting and building relationships. It's not networking really has nothing to do with sales. Yeah. It's, it's the very beginning part and it may lead to a sale, but it is not about getting the deal. So yeah. So, so if you go in with the approach of I'm going to make some new friends and see where my conversation takes me, it takes a little bit of the pressure off. And then once you're doing – so to, in order to do that, the second thing I would say is as quiet people, we tend to have a great ability to listen to other people. If right. you ask questions, and you can come up with some questions – ahead of time if it makes you feel more comfortable, kind of like the ones we were talking about earlier as well, of what do you do in your free time? What do you love doing? What what kind of volunteer work are you involved in? Or are you, you know, are there causes that you feel passionately about? Get people to start talking about those things and and then just listen. Because there are so few people who are actually listening versus waiting for the other person to finish talking so they can start talking Right. That when you're authentically listening to someone, they're they're they they like you because you're listening. They're giving them an opportunity to talk about something that's near and dear to their heart, and that is also going to give you a differentiating factor when they get back from the event and they have a whole bunch of business cards in their hand. And they're going to see yours and go. Adam was really listening to me. He asked me some really good questions, as opposed to, I don't remember what that person said. Right. Uh, I'd like to bring up something else that this made me think about. Is, And I've said this before on various blogs, and I've said it from stages that I've spoken on. If there's one question I absolutely hate, so I was at this loud, noisy nightclub excuse for a networking event, and already you, you saw you saw what the trigger was that uh, caused me to leave is the third person saying, oh, so when do you go? Uh, mm-hmm. note, note the sarcastic and mocking tone in which I said that. I hate that question, what do you do, uh, so much, because, in fact, my non-annoyed response to it is, does it really matter what I do? It doesn't matter mm-hmm. one bit. It doesn't matter one freaking iota what I do. What matters is how I can be of service. And I don't know how I can be of service until I know you. So I don't want to answer that question. I don't want to even, even be asked that question. And I don't want to rehearse the so-called elevator speech. I know I'm supposed to do all these things, but I don't want to. What I want to do is I want to engage the person, find out, what uh you know find out what 
excites them, what wakes them up in the morning, what keeps them awake at night, what the intersection of their brilliance and passion is, and what the gap is between their current situation and their goals and aspirations. Once I know that, I can show them how I can help if I can help. At that point, it doesn't matter yeah. what I do or what label I put on my business or what they're the list of what's a typical thing you do with your clients. And my answer to that one is all my clients are different, which is actually true. Yeah, yeah. Well, people are asking that question because they've been conditioned to ask that question, and they don't know what else to say. So it's it feels safe for them to ask that. Right. And you, you, you can't really – necessarily change that unless they're listening to today then they're getting better information they can use but sure. if if uh if they're just going to an event you, you know that they're conditioned to that so it's their intro to to the conversation and then you can flip it around and say that's a great question but i can't really answer it until i know more about you or you know, yeah. taking some control of that that situation and asking them asking them different questions. Yeah, that's very that's very true, uh, and I think you're right. It is a socially conditioned response. It's how we are told that we're supposed to behave. Uh, I I was first awakened to the fact that you don't have to participate in the what do you do conversation. Um, I was at an event uh, back when StarperNet used to be a thing. Boy, am I dating myself there. And uh, I was there with a client of mine, and um, you know, my client and I were sitting beside each other getting ready to hear the next presentation. And the guy on the other side of him says, oh, hi, uh, Pete, I'm, I'm George. Nice to meet you. So what do you do? And my client gave him this look of, I, I want to say this look of death, and he said, I don't do narratives. <laughs> now, that was fierce like wow mm -hmm. and actually kind of mean truth be told but mm -hmm. it reached me because it caused me to be able to say do i really need to participate in all these rituals and once i worked that out for myself it led me to say how can i bring my own approach to this it works for me and allows me to be of service to others in the way that they need that benefits them, and there's a mutual benefit to both of us. Yeah, yeah. I, you could answer that question in so many different ways to deflect the answer they're expecting. Because they might okay. be, clearly, they're expecting you to say, oh, well, I'm in real estate, or I sell, you know, I'm a digital marketing expert or whatever it right. is, but you could easily deflect it by saying, oh, I love playing golf and hanging out with my friends. I did, it like completely throw them off guard and oh, set a I, different I, tone. I, 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 I love that. Not to go on a tangent, but um, uh, a training I did with uh, with somebody uh, who was getting, and this is somebody who, by the nature of their work, ended up in a lot of political-type discussions. And the question they would get is, how could you possibly vote for that person? 
And mm-hmm. what I told them to do is say, well, what I did is on November 8th, I went to my assigned polling place. They gave me my card. I put it into the voting machine, and I found that person's name, and I clicked the button next to them. Oh, wait a minute. Were you, were you questioning my sanity or my morality? I'm sorry. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, you just flip it around a little bit, and then yeah. they don't know what to say. Right, right. Now, here's the thing. When you do that online, it usually backfires because it's perceived as uh, an attack. When you do it in person, and you can use nonverbals and body language and tonalities, you can make the yeah. other person laugh, and then you can open up the door to a straightforward discussion of the issues. Because they can say, yeah. and they can say, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Were you, were you, uh, were you, were you calling me a name, or are you insinuating something about me, or were you uh, questioning my sanity? And it's like, ha ha ha, and everybody laughs. I mean, if you do it with the right tonalities and the right body language, what you're doing is you're diffusing what could be tense and just turning it into an, a conversation opener. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's a perfect example of that. It, it's yeah, and and if it doesn't happen, then yeah, then. People just walk away. But it does open the door to having perhaps even a deeper conversation than you otherwise would have. Yeah, because, you know, know, I've I've noticed, and we're going to get off a political thing in 10 seconds. There are people I know personally that I don't even want to follow them on social media because of all the the one-sided vitriol that they post day in and day out, which to me really just translates into letting some politician own your spirit. Uh, I mean, really, come on. Uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, then, but then when you sit down with them in person, you don't hear any of that. What you normally get from them, if it's a respectful relationship, is they start asking you questions out of genuine curiosity. Yeah, everyone becomes humanized. Yeah. Yeah, some of them all taking that keyboard the, away, it turns us into people again. Yeah, exactly. And you start seeing how really people all over the world, regardless of what they do, where they're from, what they believe, the beliefs are really, we all have very common beliefs in justice and goodness and whatever it is. It, there's a lot more commonalities than differences, and it's a lot easier to find those in face-to-face conversations and networking situations than it is through online conversations. Right. Yeah, and and the reason I brought this up, see, this is me uh, doing some of my ninja work here. Folks listening were thinking, oh, is he going to keep going with the politics stuff, and maybe he's going to say a politician's name, and we're going to get to decide if we love or hate him. No, I'm not going to do that. I brought this up because I was leading us to where you just took us, which is the power of the in-person interaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's why I did it. And, uh, and, and, that, and, and that's, that's why, why in-person – yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, and that's why in-person and networking events are not going to go away. Right. And why they're important to learn how to navigate. Yeah, that's very, very true. So, I mean, we're having so much fun here. I cannot believe that we're already three-fourths of the way through. Uh, so what I love is, you know, what I love is this whole thing about the deflection of somebody asks a question like, you know, what do you do? And I loved how you say, well, I play golf and you know, things like that. Uh, here's another one I want to run by you here, and I have been testing this one. 
when somebody comes up with the what do you do, I say, I create situations. And then just pause and wait for them to ask what that means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, now, yeah, they probably look at you, they probably get a very strange look on their face, too. Yes. Yes. But if they get a strange look or they have an unusual reaction, that means you've created a pattern interrupt. Mm-hmm. Now you have their attention more than the person who just said, well, I'm a marketing guru and I have 13 years in digital marketing and I've run $750,000 Facebook ad campaigns that converted at 343%. And uh, not only that, but I also have 14 blogs and I also own a yoga studio. (laughs) (laughs) Now that kind of goes over their head, but if they hear that you like to golf and spend time with your cats and uh, and take long romantic walks to the bank, then uh, you, now you have their attention in a different way. Yeah, because they're, they're – and the, part of the reason they ask that question, too, I think is to disqualify talking to you. That's exactly you said, right. Yeah. If you said the answer they're expecting, which is, what you know, I'm a digital marketing expert, blah, and then they – their eyes glaze over and they go, oh, okay, and they walk away because they uh, don't need your services. Right. now, But, you again, you've caught them off guard and you have started a conversation with somebody. And you then it, it also, as a quiet person who might be intimidated in a network situation, puts you in the power seat. Right. That's very true. That's very true. And then what we also – Want to then what we also want to think about is uh, you know that power being in the driver's seat. We also look want to look at our skills and a lot of what I learned about business I learned from dating coaches and a lot of what I learned about dating I've learned from business coaches. It's kind of funny how those two things are so interrelated because it really is the same thing. It's persuading others to join you in uh, in sharing a common interest. So uh, yeah, that makes sense. Right. So one of our previous guests on the Business Creators Radio Show, uh, Ross Jeffries, who is the uh, founder of Persuasion Mastery Systems and also the founder of Speed Seduction, what he teaches his students at his seduction seminars is that you're not looking to figure out, oh, well, how do I score with this chick or how do I, or how do I get this one or how do I get this or how do I persuade this woman to like me? Uh, what you're really working on is a skill set and a mindset that enables you to succeed with any woman, anywhere, anytime. Uh, so the phrase is interested in the woman, invested in the results. And to me, it's the same thing when it comes to networking. Uh, you may be interested in the person in front of you, but what you're really invested in is growing your business, getting your message out there, and making those incredible connections that will serve you and the other person through a mutual interest for life. So it doesn't so it doesn't matter to me if I have five awkward conversations. I'm owning my skills for the one that's gonna that's gonna change my life. Wow, that's really interesting. I like that. So somebody's eyes glaze over and I need to do an exit stage left or I need to peace out or something like that, I do it, but I don't dwell too much on it. I may briefly analyze and say, whoa, what the heck did I do there? What the heck happened that that one went south? But then I, then I recognize the lesson, 
and I'm moving on to, okay, I'm at this event, and, you know, I put on my, I, you know, I took off my sweatpants, put on my business pants, and here I am, I'm doing this, made the effort, I'm walking out of here with a great connection. So where's my great connection? And I keep moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes that, it, it's really great to keep that idea in your head because if that's your your attitude or your perspective, then it makes it a little bit less intimidating, again, to walk into that room of people that you don't know and right. have those conversations. And if a conversation doesn't go, uh, let's say, the way that you think it should or the way you would have wanted it to, it doesn't really matter. It's okay. There's There are thousands of more people in the world for you to talk to. And I think that sometimes the reason people feel so intimidated in networking situations is because they are afraid of looking foolish or saying something wrong and and coming across as stupid or silly or ridiculous. Yeah. And everybody has that fear, actually. Everybody at that event could potentially have that same fear that you have. Correct. But if you take the, the perspective that you just presented, then it's okay. That person probably wasn't going to be a good match for you anyway. So move on. Right. That's very, that's very true. Another thing I wanted to mention, uh, just like, you know, we're talking about the dating scenario, interested in the woman, invested in the results. If you become invested in the one woman or, you know, if you're somebody who's interested in men, you become invested in the one man, then what happens is you may come across as desperate, needy, a stage five clinger because you're putting so <laughs> you're you're putting so many chips on that one roll of the dice versus looking at how am I going to play the game in such a way where I'm guaranteed to walk out of here with more than I came in with. Yeah, and that's exactly the same thing in a business networking situation. Yeah, and it's, yeah, in a business networking situation, in a business negotiation situation, you start coming across as needy and desperate. Not only are you giving away all of your power in any prospective negotiation situation, but it's just going to get annoying. Yeah, and then people really aren't going to want to talk to you. Right. And right. Yeah, and then it's kind of game over. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you become that person that brought their laptop to the networking events so that you can foist your demo upon people you've known for five seconds. Yeah, you don't want to be that person. Those are the people. No, you don't. Yeah, yeah, which is, brings up another thought in my head of a question I get asked by a lot of clients is how do I gracefully – exit from a conversation that isn't productive. Exactly. And Yeah, yeah. And it's not really socially acceptable to just say, I'm finished talking to you now and walk away. So yeah, it's a little I, better I, to be a little more tactful. Yeah, I, I, I know. There's usually a way to uh, politely excuse yourself or unfollow the conversation if we want to start applying social media tactics to, um, to in-person stuff where you just unfollow it. Uh, and it sometimes can be as simple as, uh, uh, you know, uh, excuse me, I'll be back in a few minutes. And then you just 
happen to run into somebody else and get detained. Yeah, the one thing I recommend not saying is two things, actually. I'm going to go get a drink or refresh my drink because the person could say, oh, I'll come with you. And the same thing as far as I need to go use the the ladies' room or the men's room or whatever it is because they could say the same thing, oh, I'll come with you. Right. So it's better, yeah, much better to say, it's been great talking to you. I'm going to let you mix and mingle with some other people and kind of put it back to, the, like, it's not ah. like oh, I don't want to continue talking to you. But let me, I'm going to let you meet some other people, too, and I'm going to do the same. And, you know, th- thank you. Thank you for the conversation. And, and then you can walk away. Right. Uh, that See, there you go. And that's even better than, than my solution. So you've wised me up on something. Uh, where I say, uh, I'll be back in a few moments, excuse me, because they, you're right. Now that I think of it, they could tag along or they could say, oh, where are you going? Because mm-hmm. not yeah. everybody and might. Your, your way is kind of an outright lie. So if you well, want uh, to not lie to them. <laughs> but, 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 but what if I do end up being back in a few minutes? What if I walk away and I say, you know what? Lori is so awesome. I want to go back and network with her some more. Okay, well, happen. if that's true, if that, <laughs> yes, that, that could happen if that's true. But if you're trying to exit an unproductive conversation, it's not likely you're going to want to come back. Yeah, that's very true. I'm going to be looking for, to, I'm going to be looking to bump into somebody else or to get detained otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so yeah, so we're, yeah, so, and, uh, and this is one of those interviews where sometimes it comes across a little bit roundabout, but we cover so much here, uh, and where we've kind of landed on as we wrap up here, because we have just a couple minutes left, uh, really just three minutes left, is uh, that it's the power of the in-person networking that allows you to build the connections that can change your life and change your business. And go back and listen to this. If you're listening to it live, subscribe to iTunes and catch the replay, or if you are listening to a recording, rewind it. And notice how what this really leads to is just being strategic about your networking interactions. So, uh, Lisa, for those of our business creators that are on the edge of their seat and would like to take this to the next level with you, uh, 45 seconds, how do they do it? First of all, it's Lori. And the five relationship-building mistakes quiet entrepreneurs make and what to do instead is the free report they can get at thequietgirls.com backslash five, the number five, mistakes. So the number five and then the word mistakes, thequietgirls.com backslash five mistakes. Right. That's great. And uh, what will they get when they sign up for that? That is a free report that will share some additional information that we did not talk about today on how to feel more comfortable at networking events. Oh, very good. Very good. Well, this has been fantastic. It's been an honor and an education. I want to thank you so much for being with us today and helping our business creators. You're very welcome, Adam. Thanks for having me. And for everybody listening, this is Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and on iTunes, where we help you win. 
at the game of business and marketing. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.